Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And now, coming to you live from atop the Lavender Town Radio Tower, it's Buckle Movie Club. Three, two, one. And welcome to Puckle Movie Club, uh, the Puckle Podcast movie ex- special podcast, side podcast. We haven't really uh, we haven't really defined that yet. I'm your host, Ethan, and I'm here today with my co-hosts. I'm Bosefis. And I'm the Fluffiest Whimsicott. And we're here today to talk about a very special movie in some of our hearts. Especially in mine. Pokemon oh. the Movie 2000. I personally was a, a wee lad when this movie came out. I distinctly remember it was definitely my, my first movie that I was cognizant of when it came out. Like I was aware that this was a thing. I got the VHS tape. But what about you guys? Where were you guys at when this movie came out? I think I was right around 8. I also have it on VHS. That's what I watched it on last night, Just just for the the whole sentimental value. There is a, a few times where my tape sort of skips a little bit. Like you can see the see the age on it since mm-hmm. it's uh, from 2000. It's a 16 year old <laughs> uh, tape right now. VHS tapes would also get burned out from wear and tear. Um, like yes. if you played it enough times, it would start to degrade. And mm-hmm. if you played certain sequences over and over again, the most or left it on a certain sequence, that's where most of the degradation would take place. So, yeah, that thing's seen some work. Yes, it has. <laughs> I do remember being one of the first of my friends to see it. I saw it with my uh, best friend, Zach. He and I were the biggest Pokemon nerds in the school. Like, that's that was a, that was a fun time. If anyone had Pokemon questions, they'd, they'd ask <laughs> us. I remember the first day of first grade... He was talking to somebody about Pokemon, and they were like, what's the strongest bug type? And he was like, well, it's Scyther, obviously. And I was like, that's going to be my best friend. And he was my best friend all the way up to high school. But we had the ancient Mew cards, and I remember bringing those to school, and all the other kids were like, whoa, what is that? We're like, this is the strongest Pokemon card ever. It's, It's ancient Mew. It's stronger than even regular Mew. So... I mean, we had no idea about anything, but we, <laughs> but it was the golden age of any any rumor was definitely yes, true. Yes, it was absolute fact. And any fact, any bum on the on the playground could make he could change the rules of Pokemon on the spot. 
if yeah. you had a convincing enough card. Oh yeah, and I and I definitely had Mew in my blue version, but I accidentally lost it with to Missingno. But the the way you get Mew is actually you battle the Elite Four a hundred times in a row, but not a hundred one because if you do it a hundred one times, then it resets itself. But that's that's definitely how you catch Mew. No 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 joke. You see, it's weird that because my uncle told me you have to beat him two hundred times, but you know. Every, oh well, I well mean, it's it's every one hundred. I mean, he 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 probably lost count the first time or something. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's possible, seeing as how he works for Nintendo. But I don't oh know. oh well well well, he is actually Mister Nintendo himself. Oh oh really? Yeah. Well, uh, my 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 best friend's uncle actually um, um, invented Pokemon. So yeah, he lives in he lives in like Wyoming or something. So Whimsicott, what is you? Who does your uncle work for? My uncle is like a Charizard. Oh. That's even crazier. I can't wow. even front. Yep. I can't even front with yep. a Charizard uncle. So what wow. yeah, I mean, my uncle is going to roast your uncles, so I win. So, so instead of it. pitting family members into petty squabbles, what <laughs> what was life like for you as an older individual when this movie uh, came out? Well, <laughs> I was going to say. I own the VHS tape, too, and there are the similarities, and <laughs> because I was obviously much older by the time the movie came out, it probably came out a bit later in Italy than in the US, like, by a matter of months, mm. but still, uh, the movie came out, it, it managed to come out in 2000, it did that, mm-hmm. at least, it came out on uh, December 22nd. You might remember, probably not, but uh, the day after that is my birthday. Uh, yeah, there I was, me, turning 18 on that day, with my five-year-old brother and my three-year-old sister, and our, our father drove us all to the movie theater so we could watch Pokemon the Movie 2000. That sounds pretty and magical. It, it was. It was amazing. Plus, this is probably like the best movie for Team Rocket, and pretty much I was almost exclusively a Team Rocket fan, where the anime was concerned. (laughs) So I came home, like, completely hyped. I was in a fantastic, blissful state, (laughs) and I arrived home to find that my mother had organized a surprise birthday party. The catch was... I wasn't the most popular girl in high school. Oh, no. And so my my mother had, like, called up my friends from when I was six or seven. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so wow. It was, oh, no. Oh, man. It was, it was terrible. It was, like, the most awkward birthday party you can imagine. Aww. I would have gone to a surprise party. <laughs> no, man. You didn't want that kind of surprise party. I was... I was... Like, as antisocial as an 18-year-old girl can be. And there were people there I hadn't seen in years. So I I didn't take it very well. I was probably acting really weirdly, if not badly, for the entire afternoon. To this day, if you ask me if I like surprises, I will tell you. If you ever throw a surprise birthday party for me, I will hate you forever. <laughs> Oh. But the movie was great. 
Do you not get do you not get chills down your spine every time you you watch the movie as if something bad's gonna happen? <laughs> no, no. Luckily, I was able to compartmentalize the two things. Like the movie, fantastic. The three hours afterwards, I could have done without. That's probably because you were eighteen at the time. I'm gonna imagine if if like a, a seven or eight year old Ethan was rocked with a surprise party immediately after the movie, Man, that would probably I break me. Yeah, no, I I would have loved that. And I mean, my mother did such a nice thing for me. It was just that I I was not able to be on the receiving end of such a good thing. I was I I was a teenager. You know what I mean? Right, of course. Yeah, absolutely. No no teenager wants to wants to be forced in that kind of situation. No. Uh, and it's always like, been my dream. I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned this to my mother. She had actually forgotten about this completely. <laughs> really? No. She probably she probably put it into like a, a part of her brain for for bad memories or like <laughs> no, she never forgotten. she never knew that it, that it was a bad thing. Oh, I mean, really? I was the one I was the oh. one feeling horribly awkward. I I think the only thing people noticed was was that I was like acting a bit off, which I suppose wasn't that different from usual since again I was a teenager. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good anecdote. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, outside of merely being uh, older than us when the movie came out, what was the? Do you remember what the hype was? Like the Pokemania state in Italy at that point, was it on par with the states? I'd say, oh, pretty much yes. Uh, I mean, I remember like Pokemon snacks and Pokemon foods, Pokemon cards everywhere. The Pokemon anime was going so strong, we actually got two movies that year. Because, you got both? Yeah, we got both, because the anime actually premiered on January the 10th of the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Wow. And in April, uh, on my brother's birthday, wow. <laughs> we, got, uh, we got the first movie, and the day after my birthday in December, we got the second movie. It was, 2000 was like the year of Pokemon. In that, is, that is some strange serendipity there that you, both of you guys had movie released on your birthday. <laughs> and we are the biggest Pokemon fans birthday. in our family, so yeah, pretty cool. That's, that's pretty great. Um, so that kind of wraps up the introduction segment. So we, we now know the context of the movie, at least in our own personal lives. And we're going to move on to the story breakdown segment. And welcome back to Puckle Movie Club. Now we're going to go into the narrative of the film, but first we're going to talk about the uh, short film that aired before the feature itself called Pikachu's Rescue Adventure. You guys expressed a great love for this short. I know it primarily for that that's not a Pikachu or whatever. Do you remember that video of that guy freaking out about the that there's no dragon Pokemon? I have... I've, I've never known about this. I don't, yeah. There's this great YouTube video of these guys from, I'm going to assume, New Jersey, freaking oh. out about how none of these Pokemon exist and nobody can right. do anything that's in this, this short. And he's like, there's a Snorlax. He's a, he's, oh. a, he's a boss. It was, yeah, it was super. There's it was no super yeah. Snorlax. Yeah, so that, that's. Yeah. I've probably seen more of this short recently from that than from actually watching the short itself <laughs> but uh so the, the short is in typical pikachu short fashion ash and co are off doing their own thing and then the pokemon get into a misadventure and this time the misadventure is togepi goes exploring 
and gets lost, and they gotta go get Togepi back. I believe that's the gist of it. Well, pretty much. I mean, the funny part is that Togepi doesn't so much get lost as rolls down a hill, because he's an egg. Right. And <laughs> all of the Pokemon, like, try to get Togepi back, but of course Psyduck causes a tiny accident wherein they fall down, not a rabbit hole, like the hollow trunk of a tree, and... In a way, I never figured out the hollow trunk of the tree leads to a really long twisty tunnel that leads to another giant tree. Like, the, the topography was a bit questionable. <laughs> I mean, it, it reminds me of uh, Majora's Mask, which was also another um, game I played around the same time on the N64. But in Majora's Mask, uh, Link falls down a a hole in, I'm pretty sure, a tree or a cave and falls for a seemingly, like, long time like the Pokemon do in the movie. They, they fall for an entire song. Um, <laughs> so, but then Link ends up in his new world of Termina, whereas uh, the Pokemon end up in the Tree of Life or whatever. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, We here at Poke Movie Club endorse knowledge of cinema in general. If you haven't seen the movie Tree of Life, which is completely unrelated to what he was just talking about, you should probably go see it, because it's a masterpiece. So, the, the second half of the short is... Uh, the first half is they, they have to go get uh, go get back, and they fall, and they, get, they go through this tunnel or whatever. The second half is a storm brews up, and they have to keep everyone from flying away in the storm, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And they all have to grab on to keep the smaller Pokemon from flying away, and it's, it's pretty cute. It's, yeah, it's very touching. I remember lots of feels. I even felt some feels when watching it last night. Um, oh, man, with, I definitely had feels last night. I mean, with, the Snorlax! Yes, yeah, it, it... Oh, yeah. Just, just elements of teamwork, working together to help one another. No, no Pokemon is actually, like, useless. They all come out of hiding to save... Togepi and the executes, so it's it's yeah. absolutely adorable. Yep, and uh, that that sequence reminds me vaguely of uh, this classic Disney short, uh, The Old Mill. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but it's a, a a short film that doesn't really have a strong narrative. It's about a, a storm coming through and blowing down uh, an old mill that a lot of animals live in, and I, I notice similarities in in how the storm brews up and like the how it, it's handled. It's kind of not dark, but a little, little mm. bit intense. A little, little bit of suspense there going on. D decent, little, decent little short. It's probably one of my favorite of the Pikachu shorts, for sure. <laughs> uh, and go check out the old mill. I'm just going to keep telling you to go check things out. So this summary so far. Go watch The Tree of Life and go watch The Old Mill. <laughs> uh, well, we are the, the movie club, so yes. yeah, it's definitely fair. I'm a terrible person to bring on to a movie club. I have seen none of the classic movies. But before you check out anything else, if you don't remember this Pikachu short, do watch it again. It's and a goodie. Yeah, I mean, most importantly, don't forget to check out The Dancing Blossom. The Dancing Blossom are, like, the thing about this short for me. I love them so much. And the song is just super catchy and upbeat. I mean, I'm I'm probably gonna add that to my regular like workout playlist. I'm gonna add the uh, the for the 18 plus audience. I'll add the YouTube video that we referenced to the show notes for this podcast. <laughs> uh, 
enter enter at your own risk. It, it is. A, it has been mentioned on the podcast before. Yeah. No. I, I think so. that's. I'm. I'm fairly certain that's where I heard about it the first time. The same here. Uh, Sarge and Thatch actually. Circa like 2010. <laughs> Old school reference. I, I don't think the original video is up anymore. I think you have to find weird re-uploads of it with with the uh, borders around it and stuff. Really, it's a. Uh, it's disappointing. Such a such a classic. Yeah. So, do we want to get into the uh, the bulk of this episode? The the, the meat and potatoes. Yes. The the power of one. Pokemon <clears throat> the movie 2000. The power of one. Uh, known in Japan as Mirage Pokemon, Lugia's explosive birth, which is kind of gross. Oh man, now that you mention it. Yeah, it's explosive uh, birth. Like, I, like, what does that entail exactly? There, there was a definite uh, build-up to Lugia in this film. I remember the speculation when we first got screenshots of it uh, when it was first coming out. Like, oh yes, in this in this uh, movie, Togepi actually evolves into this giant flying bird Pokemon, which I mean, no we, weren't, we, we weren't far off because later we got uh, Togetic, which was the normal flying type, but uh, I definitely remember there being playground speculation of um, Lugia being uh, the evolution of Togepi, and I mean, clearly when the movie starts out, you, you see silhouettes of Lugia and you realize that that is absolute garbage, it's not true. But the the build-up to Lugia, you don't see him until, like, halfway through the movie, so... So would you call his reveal sufficiently explosive? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. It's got the, the Puckle Movie Club explosive seal of approval. Boom! <laughs> Boom. Okay, so the movie begins at Shimudi Shrine, where uh, Slow King is chilling out. He's, he's having a good time. And then the, the prophecy is read, right? May I, may I read the prophecy? Go ahead. Hit me with it. <clears throat> Disturb not the harmony of fire, ice, or lightning, lest these titans wreak destruction upon the world in which they clash. Through the waters, great guardian shall arise to quell the fighting. Alone its song will fail, and thus the world shall turn to ash. O chosen one, into thine hands bring together all three. Their treasures combined tame the beast of the sea. Is that phone vibrating part of the uh, the prophecy? Because that's it a is, very impressive I, prophecy. And I thought it was a bit more subtle. But <laughs> <laughs> right off All the right. bat, hit with some heavy uh, stuff. Get that prophecy down there. Let you know the stakes are there. World's gonna there end. Is, there is something that needs to be mentioned about the prophecy, though. Go ahead. Since I watched the first movie in English and... I wasn't too fond of the voice acting and of the many, many, many edits. Mm -hmm. Like, the first movie is an entirely different movie from the Japanese Oh, yeah. So I decided, let's do a little experiment. I watched the movie in Japanese with subtitles. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't speak Japanese, but the subtitles seem to be relatively reliable. Mm -hmm. And I was very surprised to find out that the original prophecy does not mention Ash in any way. Hmm. It's probably because they wanted that pun. They just want that, that pun that they could kind of tie in later. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean there it's... is no chosen one at oh. all. Oh, I was going Big to. Prophecy. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably because it's hard to like. Satoshi doesn't rhyme with a whole lot. Right. Yeah. That. <laughs> no, there, there is no reference to Satoshi. I was, I was listening to the prophecy while I read the subtitle, and I kept 
waiting to hear Satoshi in there, and I didn't, and I listened to it twice, and I didn't hear it, and then I went on Bulbapedia, and Bulbapedia had the explanation, the fact that Ash is involved in the prophecy, the fact that there is a chosen one at all, is all an invention for Western audiences. The original prophecy just says that this great controller will be a human who reunites the treasures and then can, like, calm the titans, the gods, actually, in the original Japanese. Ash is not the one who needs to save the world because he's Ash, because he's the chosen one. He just needs to save the world because due to the festival, he was the one to gather the first two treasures and thus locked himself into the position described by the prophecy. It was all by chance. Mm. Lucky I for us, though. That. Lucky for us, yeah. we, we picked him. For somebody else, for some bum, probably wouldn't have I worked mean, out too well. Imagine they had, like, picked Tracy. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I think they would have helped him out. He would have figured it out. That would be way funnier. Sure. I want to see that Although, version of the movie. Oh, remind me. I, I, I need to tell you something else about Tracy later. Okay. Okay. Uh, back to the narrative here. Lawrence the Third. not sure if that name exists inside the actual movie itself. He is the primary antagonist of this movie, kind of. He only really shows up for three scenes. I mean, he's definitely the reason that anything is happening. He drives the plot. He does, uh, <laughs> he does capture Moltres and Zapdos, which is more legendaries. The only other person that's caught that many legendaries was, um... Tobias in the in the anime, which had a dark eye and a Latios, so no one man should have all that power. Uh, no, no, and and that's why Lugia got all angered. So Lawrence is a collector, and he's trying to collect all three of the legendary birds. Makes sense to me personally, but doing that wildly throws off the ecosystem of the entire planet, apparently, because there's an imbalance in nature. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. It's Ash. the un- underwater river, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something like that. Professor Oak does have a very good explanation, which uh, Bulbapedia tells me was somewhat cut in the English version. I don't really remember from when I watched the movie in Italian, but in the Japanese it's like Moltres' fire melts Articuno's eyes, forming a water current, and then the um, Zapdos' electricity creates inside this current the conditions for proteins and life to form. Wow. So they're, they're basically saying somehow that the Orange Islands are like the cradle of life in the Pokemon world. Huh. That's pretty neat. That's, that's a good explanation. Mm-mm. I buy it. Um, I mean, Professor Oak had colored pens and everything. I will believe him. <laughs> doesn't he explain that the helicopter later in the movie, or like a very brief version? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember the sequence. I remember Professor Oak's four-colored pen very well. But I think, at least in the American dub, the part about the electricity essentially making life was removed. Okay. Possibly, Bulbapedia says, due to religious concerns. That makes sense. They've cut things for less than that. I would definitely gander that. Okay, so we meet Ash and Co. somewhere in the Orange Islands, not not anywhere terribly specific. A storm brews up, and they get 
one like through magic or whatever, they end up at Shamudi Island, where Marin, the ship's captain that they were traveling with, that's where she's from. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this is never addressed again, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she's from there, and there's a festival going on. The Chosen One, or whatever. It's it's a big festival about the Chosen One, and Ash is selected to be the Chosen One. Yeah. Yes. The following. Okay. Yes. Now back in Pallet Town, Oak, uh, <laughs> Ash's mom, and Mimi are witnessing huge migrations, and something's clearly off. <laughs> we'll get back to that later. Melody plays the the, the tune. At the festival, by the way, there's a character named Melody in the island. She's this girl about Ash's age. She's the, what's her role in the festival exactly? She's like the festival maiden. I don't think it's ever specified much more than that. I guess in the in their tradition, she's the one who like plays the flute and does a little dance. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a shell ocarina. Yeah. It does look like that, you're right. Get that cross-branding going, Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, so Melody plays a tune with the ocarina at the ceremony and explains Ash's role as the chosen one. He has to go get three glass orbs from three different islands to calm the... At the first, isn't it just kind of purely symbolic, or am I wrong? Uh, yes, because uh, Melody mentions that um, there have been previous chosen ones that have brought the orbs back to the the shrine on uh, is it Shamudi Island mm-hmm. yeah it is implied that other chosen ones have brought them back because she says something like oh most chosen ones come back alive so i mean she, she's obviously kidding i mean uh, it's made very clear that she she like she's doing this because she has to and she thinks it's absolutely stupid like, it's all a big game, and uh, the people of the island care about it because it's a time-honored tradition, but she doesn't believe in the prophecy. She thinks it's like an old folk's tale. But she keeps up with the game, and she asks Ash to do the same. At this point, Lawrence has already captured one. Uh, he's already captured Moltres, I believe? Yes. And then he's yes. on to capture Zapdos and the second island. Uh, this is when Zapdos migrates over to the first island, is that correct? Yes, because yeah. he's going to capture that territory, because he's, he's showing off, he's hollering. Right, he's the uh, Moltres <laughs> Fluta Coop, as Meowth says. Yes. So, Ash and Co. are ascending the stairs to go get the fire orb. Meanwhile, oh, also Team Rocket's there now. They're trying to capture Pikachu with a, oh, the boat or whatever. I, mm. I don't distinctly remember. Uh, they the actually secretly hitch a ride on the boat that uh, Misty and Marin and Tracy hope on when they see that the sea is getting stormy and so they're worried about Melody and Ash. Right. So they go go look for them and Team Rocket like hides on the on the on the ship and follows them. And that's when that's when Melody uh, flies her sister's boat, which was pretty cool. I remember thinking that was kind of cool but kind of weird and looking back 16 years later i just thought that was kind of weird they're trying to capitalize on the extreme sports definitely definitely there's no way that boat would have been seaworthy ever again Mm, no it it was Mm. trashed definitely they wrecked it even 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 if it hadn't been wrecked by zapdos later i mean come on uh, yeah, it, I mean, it scraped the bottom on the rocks and then slid up a mountain, more or less. <laughs> yeah, that, your yeah. cold does not survive that. 
That's not going. No. Ship, ships have broken from less. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So Zapdos is captured, and the Ash and Co are captured along with, including Team Rocket. Yes. Uh, they are captured along with that with Zapdos, and Lawrence is like, "Hey, sorry for picking you up," and he he releases them and doesn't really release them back to the island or anything. Just kind of keeps them kicking around the cabin. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, he leaves them with his collection, thinking, all right, there is no way these kids can do anything. I might as well show off my cool stuff to someone while I go capture Articuno. So Ash and Co. are like, hey, you can't capture these legendary Pokemon. It's throwing everything off. And they're right. But if, you but can't if do we, that. But if we caught them, it'd be totally fine. Yeah, ignore the fact that we've battled numerous legendary Pokemon. Probably the funniest point, part is that in the original version, they don't really have qualms with him owning the legendary Pokemon. Misty looks at him and tells him, why are you keeping these Pokemon like this instead of putting them into regular Pokeballs? This makes no sense. Really? Yeah, I, I, that drives home the collector aspect more there, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. displaying three Pokeballs where you're like, yeah, I totally have Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres in, in these, uh, I promise. Is not that, nearly as cool as having them like. That is exactly display. what he says. The, yeah. You know what? Japanese version. There's some. Uh, there's some legitimacy there. Yeah. I, I kind of yeah. endorse the Japanese version of the movie now. Ash and Co. release Moltres. Moltres in turn releases Zapdos, and it destroys yeah. this the airship. By the way, Lawrence has this really crazy airship that's weird, like early CG. Um, yeah. And it doesn't really mesh pretty well or very well, but it looks kind of neat in the aesthetic of the movie. It looks very out of place, but in a good way. Yes. I mean, it, it, it was like the the digital, like, what do you call it? The digital restoration of the first movie. The CGI looks really out of place. Yeah. But this, this is where the Tracy thing comes in. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the best line in the Japanese movie goes to Tracy. Okay. Yeah. When Ash and Co. are trying to release Moltres and Zapdos, uh, you may remember that Ash calls out all of his Pokémon. And so Pikachu, Charizard, Squirrel, and Bulbasaur are all attacking Moltres' cage together. And Tris is just standing there, doing nothing, and he keeps watching what's happening. And he sees some vapor starting to form, and he says, oh, that's really interesting. See, Peach's electricity is separating Squirtle's water into hydrogen and oxygen. And then, when Charizard's flamethrower comes in, oh my god, everyone duck! And then the thing explodes. So they give a scientific explanation for why. Yeah, huh, Tracy that's pretty neat. Does science, and apparently uh, Western people thought Western children were too dumb because that was cut out of the Western version. That's a pretty decent joke, too. <laughs> I loved it. It was my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> it's, starting to, it's starting to sound more and more appealing, that Japanese version. Might have to go yeah. take a look at that. <clears throat> For the next one, I'll, I'll probably watch both versions now because yeah. it's. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. There, <clears throat> there is one thing the dub has over the Japanese version. What's that? In the Japanese version, Sloking never wishes he had pants. Mm. It's a. Right. It's it's kind of a dumb joke though. I mean, I like it because it's so out of place and weird. Uh, that's what I like about it. I mean, it's so. Slowpoke is like. 
Dazzler Kingdom, sorry, he doesn't really do much for the entire movie. The fun part about Slow King in the Japanese version is like, he's kind of like Winnie the Pooh. I mean, the whole world is collapsing around him and all he can say is, oh, this is bothersome. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bother. Okay, so the whole fortress comes crashing down to Thunder Island and Ashiko are thrown out of the... Or they, they run down the side they of... They run down the... the uh, what do you call it? The incline of the, of the ramp that they run down is increasingly uh, getting steeper and steeper and steeper. Yes. And so their run turns into a roll, which I remember being just absolutely comical. Uh, I, think, I forgot to mention at this point that... Uh, not that. She's not here. He's not in the movie. Ash has two of the orbs already. And he has got to get the third one from from Fire Island. Well, when 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 the Coliseum crashes, he that's when he gets the second orb because it crashes into the shrine oh, and it right, rolls, yes. roll, rolls right in front of him. Like, oh, that that was easy. Yeah. All right, that, and that, then he yeah. has to get the third one from Ice Island. Right. Yeah. So they have to go over to Ice Island, and that's the the final action scene in the movie. Is them? There's a battle going on in the sky between all three of the legendary birds. And Lugia enters the fray at one point, or like yeah, yeah. because Melody starts playing her ocarina. Yes, and that that she, awakens Lugia. Yeah, essentially, what happens is that when they are escaping the island after the crash, they are essentially saved by a column of water made by Lugia, and Melody hears Lugia's song, and this isn't very clear. I'm told in the English version, mm-hmm. but Melody. Here's Lugia's song, which sounds a bit like a whale song. And the song has the same melody, pardon the pun, as uh, the song she plays on her ocarina. And so she realizes the connection is real, like the festival music is actually Mm -hmm. something real, not just random notes. And so when they get to the shrine, she starts playing and Lugia comes out of water. And... That and Lugia goes okay. to attempt to stop the the fighting of the three legendary birds. So okay, so Lawrence starts attacking Lugia right because he's like, oh look, it's the ultimate prize. He doesn't want the three legendary birds. He wants Lugia, mm-hmm. and he starts attacking Lugia. And then Lugia <clears throat> is also getting attacked by the three legendary birds because like we don't want to calm down. We want to be Holland forever. Mm-hmm. And this whole time, Ash and Co are on their way to the final shrine. No, they're just standing on the main island, and it's only after, like, um... um... So Lugia's first defeated, um, crashes into the water, Melody goes to, like, the Stonehenge on Shmoody Island, uh, starts playing the song again, pretty sure that's when all the green water comes out for whatever reason, and then Lugia is... Regenerated, right? And yes. he's re- he's got a second wind, and he is ready to go. He's ready to go. And run. they're like, "All right, this is our this is our uh, last hurrah. It's do or die time." And Ash gives my favorite line when they're uh, going through the snow. Uh, we should also mention that this entire time, the climate of the Earth is just going bananas, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, Pokemon from all over the world are trying to gather themselves to the Orange Island to just be there to 
they have that natural call, which was also, to me, very uh, moving as a child. And, uh, I mean, they just need to get there. They don't ever do anything, these Pokemon that come from all over the world, but they, uh, they're they there. Uh, there's multiple, I mean, Raichu, Gyarados, Arbok. I mean, uh, there are several Pokemon that are seen. You can get a complete list of it on uh, Bulbapedia's It's Pokemon pretty substantial. 2000. But then they decide they're going to get they're gonna get a going uh, over to Ice Island. And there's multiple ways they go, but then Ash is hiking through the snow, and they're like, you're the chosen one. Oh, the whole world shall turn to Ash. Not like gets burned down and turns to Ash, but like we turn to you, it's Ash. It's a pun. And yeah, right. A, a pun within a prophecy, which is honestly a next level pun, if yep. you're asking me. He's like, you're the chosen one, Ash, and he's hiking through the snow. Right now, I feel more like the frozen one. Awful. Terrible. <laughs> Just absolutely. Ash, the world is ending. Calm down for five minutes with the pun. <laughs> Man after my own heart there. So first, they um, they get in the little uh, blow-up boat, the life raft. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. Oh, and man. I- it's The way it goes is that Lugia... Is going. Uh, Ash is going there on a makeshift sled, um, run by his Pokemon, and then they get attacked by the legendary birds, and the legendary birds like end up making an ice wall halfway between the islands, and so Ash is like, okay, so this is how far I can go. I can't save the world, and that is when the, my favorite part of the movie happens. Team Rocket comes in right. and saves the day. Team yeah, Rocket yeah. has the yes. little inflatable they, raft. Yes, that's correct. They have put the rotor from uh, the crashed boat on it, and they take Ash to Ice Island. I'd say this is probably the most that they ever get to do in any of the movies. Um, <laughs> Which is why this is my favorite movie. I have uh, large yeah. complaints about like how they're handled, because they're forced in every single movie that gets made. Whether yeah. they also every single episode of the, of, the, of the anime yes. they are in. Yeah. But they don't necessarily need to be there all the time. But this is an instance where I think they had a they had a, like a redemptive arc and everything and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Certainly certainly the best one for them as a as a team. Uh where do we where do we go from here? They they go to they get to the shrine. Mm-hmm. They and then he puts the final sphere in, sphere in the shrine, and then Melody plays Lugia's song, which revives Lugia and restores balance to the legendary birds, and Lugia takes Ash and Pikachu on a magical journey into the sky, and they go flying around, and then, yeah, all the birds go back home. Well, every, every, oh. yeah, well uh, Lugia is, flies Ash and company back to Shamudi Island. Is that, am I yeah, saying he, that? Yeah, dro- no, he drops them happened? off. Well, Team Rocket actually, like, sacrifices themselves to yes. save the world, which I was just like, oh my goodness. That's, yes, that's I was... It. That's I was amazing. blown away by that. And I don't remember if they have the same line in the dub, but in the Japanese version, when they let go of Lugia, falling to what they think is going to be their certain death, Ash is like, Team Rocket, no, what are you doing? And they look at him and they say, It's okay, you're the protagonist! <laughs> I, I think that's in, that is in the dub, I believe. Uh, well, they say... Uh... They give a modified version of their motto. It's like, let's not say goodbye. Let's just say we're going to die. Flash. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. So. Yes, and then and then they get back to the island. And, and, and then, then Oak and, and Ash's mom show up 
to do things other than just explain what's going on. Uh, and she's like, hey, why do you have to be so brave all the time? And go go visit me every once in a while. I'm your mom, blah. And then Lawrence gets his story resolved by he finds an ancient Mew card on the ground, like in the wreckage of his ship. And he's like, I got to start collecting again. And that line was only in the dub, by the way. Really? But it was pretty, yeah. Uh, in fact, the, the the scene in which he tells the guys, this was my the start of my collection, this Mew card, it was added in because the Mew card was a merchandise promotional thingy. Right. And, but the Mew card at the end is still in the movie. He doesn't say anything, but I think his smile tells it all. And then Team Rocket gets their story resolved because they're on Chamudi, uh, having survived. And mm-hmm. nope, and they're like, hey, nobody saw us be heroes. But Slow King's like, hey, many people saw you be heroes. and They're here right now. And then breaks the fourth wall by looking at the screen, <laughs> which is yeah. a very odd way to end a movie that's been like kind of serious. And then Team Rocket looks at the, the audience and then they're like, hey, let's, let's be good. And then the movie ends. Mm, that's good. <laughs> that's bad. And that's then, good. That's bad. And then that, that's the movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. And then they then there's the song where uh that Herman Cain quoted in two thousand eight for his uh campaign, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah. The, uh... What a weird story, yeah he did. I actually don't remember the song right now because this was something I found very interesting. Obviously the songs are different in the dub and the Japanese version. But the entire score of the Pokemon movie is redone for the Western version. The musical score is different. Like, if you were to sing uh, the melody that, again, no pun intended, melody plays to a Japanese person, he would not recognize it. It's different. Maybe he would recognize it as Layla by by Cream. (laughs) Or what is that? Is that Erica the Dominoes? Which one is that? Uh, It's one of those things. Layla by Derek and the Dominos. That's it, yes. Is that the melody? That is I, the melody. I, I should listen to it again. Mm. I mean, the, the melody, not the song. I had never connected them. Do, 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 and then, and then he shreds. <laughs> oh, off. I, I didn't think they were that similar. They're, they're, I mean, they're pretty similar. It's just a similar chord progression. Well, People like to make fun of it. It's also the first four notes are also the... Um, the uh, what's her name? The Rue whistle from the Hunger Games in the movie. The it's the same first four notes. I mean, chord progressions are all pretty similar. Right. I just yeah. was, I remember watching the the Hunger Games in theaters when it came out, and I was like, "Wow, that's 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 Pokemon." And now, so whenever I whistle the Pokemon song from two thousand, um, people are gonna think like, "Oh, Hunger Games!" Like, I mean, I, I I know the entire melody by heart. I could probably whistle or sing it. But I still can't see the connection to Layla. It's it's there. You just gotta you gotta uh, uh, listen to the right. inside the beats. I don't have that here <laughs> that if two things are not very similar, I probably won't be able to tell that they are related. So let's get into our overall opinions of the movie here. So I personally think that this is one of the one of the stronger movies in the franchise. Not just because of like you know Team Rocket getting things to do, but I think it's a pretty Simple enough story that has enough going on to be entertaining. I'd say my biggest complaint with the movie as a whole is that Lawrence is basically a non-character. He really just exists to make conflict happen. Like, the motivation is there, but it's not terribly strong. He seems pretty evil. 
I don't know. I, I, I have qualms with that character, but other than that, it's a pretty strong movie. What do you guys think? Right. I, I Well, I look at it... Um, uh, I look at most things like this as a, as almost like if I if it was as a tabletop setting and mm. um almost almost as if the dungeon master is it creates Lawrence specifically because he's playing a tabletop game with 10-year-olds and they just like want to go do everything else and it's like no this is obviously the direction you're supposed to be going I'm mm-hmm. so coherently evil that the world is going to explode if you don't do this right now <laughs> right <laughs> That makes sense to me. Like a simplified narrative for for a younger audience, mm-hmm. naturally. Uh, what do you think? What do you think, Winsicott? Um, I mean, I pretty much agree. I I thought this was interesting as a point because when I was talking about the first movie before, uh, the main change in the first movie from the original to the dub is apparently I trust Bobopedia implicitly is that Mewtwo is made more unambiguously evil, whereas in the Japanese he's just very confused and very conflicted. Mm. And Mew uh, is made into the Mew we all know and love, whereas in Japanese he's actually pretty confrontational. And he actually makes a point that, you know, Mewtwo is saying the clones are better, Mew is saying the originals are better, and that's why it makes sense for Ash to step in, because... In the original, Mew is not being the voice of, of, of reason, so Ash has to be. Right. Because mm. uh, I guess they thought that Western children needed a more clear-cut villain in a movie. Mm. And so I guess the comment that Lawrence isn't much of a villain might be due to the same cultural bias. I mean, we like things to be black and white, but maybe Japanese filmmakers are, you know not into that concept as much as Western media people are. Well, what, I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is is not that he's not enough of a villain. I think it's just that he doesn't have terribly much depth. Like, I, I don't get the strength oh. of the motivation there. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah, like, oh, well, I mean, it is, it is a kid's movie. You are absolutely right. Right. Like, I... I I would like to see more going on there. Like, what, what beyond just, I'm a collector, is there any reason he's collecting? Like, is it... Is, is he trying to be something his father wasn't? Like, you know, give me a motivation there. Give me, like, a one more scene where he explains himself, and I'd be, I'd be more satisfied. Um, so, on the overall quality of the film itself, what do you think, Bo? As far as Pokemon movies go, I, I'd probably rate this one uh, on, on the higher end. I love the music in the movie. I love the... Certain sequences, um, especially the, the all the Pokemon migrating, I love those. For some reason, Ekans can swim. That makes me uh, happy for some reason. I love a lot of the just the little things, uh, especially like um, like Brock running in the background of when he's on the mm-hmm. when uh, <laughs> Professor Ivy's on the phone and he just ah, and that's it. And it's just like the little cameo. Um, I'll give it. I'll give this one an eight out of ten. All right. And what, what about you, Whimsy? About the overall quality of the film itself. You did oh. watch a different version than we did, so... But I mean, I, I, I watched the same version you did uh, 16 years ago. Holy cow, <laughs> this, this list of dub edits is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, it's like, it never ends. It, it um, is so long. There, there must be two dozen lo- like edits, minimum, three dozen um, even. I think, yeah, I think three dozen is more like it. 
to be honest, I, I, I mean, I remembered the movie fairly well, given my general memory, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I enjoyed watching it back then, like, immensely, not just because of Team Rocket. I mean, uh, the first one had a simpler plot, but mm-hmm. the characters were more complex. Like, Mewtwo... I came out of, the, out of that movie wanting to give Mewtwo a big hug. Right. This one was like the opposite. The characters were incredibly simple. Everyone's motivation was either clear-cut or not there at all. Uh, but the plot was interesting. I am especially fond of plots that involve prophecies, especially like fake or self-fulfilling prophecies, as I found out this was <laughs> in the Japanese version. And I really, really liked it. I mean, I'd give it... I think I'd join Bo in giving it an 8 out of 10. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a decent score. I, I, in terms of... I like to rate these movies out of 4 stars, per, per, like personally, with half stars being, you know, part of the scale. And I'd say mm-hmm. this is probably a solid 3.5 for, for this franchise. It's it's a pretty tight little narrative. It's not doesn't go overly long, like nothing needs to be trimmed. Visually, I think it's probably the best that the series ever looks. Uh like probably. there's it's pretty yeah. pretty inspired stuff going on. Um a lot of the action looks very nice. Uh, I can overlook the weirdness of this the ship as in like it kinda supposed <laughs> to look weird, right? Right. I I'd say it's uh I'd say it's one of the stronger ones. Uh, you guys wanna hear some trivia really quick? Oh, oh yeah. always, always. Okay, That's so the first names of Ash's mother and Professor Oak were first revealed in this movie. It's uh, some some hot hot trivia there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the ancient Mew card was was a, a plot point at the end there, and you know you got one of those if you went to theaters. Uh, this is the mm-hmm. first movie where Brock isn't a main character, which isn't terribly impressive because there's only been one movie before this. On the cover art for this movie. There are Pokemon that aren't in the actual movie itself, uh, mm. which is a little bit of a little bit of false representation there, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's actually that much decent trivia here. Well, uh, this trivia is on Bulbapedia, but I could have told you in person that when I watched the movie in Japanese, and people got to the island, and I started hearing very very familiar voices, and I was like, there's not that much that I've watched in Japanese. It has to be from Sailor Moon. Right. And indeed, <laughs> indeed, um, uh, Marin and Carol are dubbed by Sailor Moon and Sailor Mercury. Of course. Wow, that's and, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> well, there are more, more um, voice actors from Sailor Moon, but those were the main ones. I was like, wait, 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 I'm watching a different anime all of a sudden. <laughs> and then I realized <laughs> why. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I I noticed that they're like, I think for most people, that would be the most recognizable voices in most animes are are like the Sailor Moon voices, um, depending if they watch the dub. But yeah, um, I'd say pretty good movie all about. Go go check it out if you haven't already. You probably have. You just want to hear your opinion validated. Mm -hmm. A quick thing I'd like to mention, just as a, a, just keep, in track for the Puckle Movie Podcast. Um, so far, there's been... Um, Ash makes the 
real life reference to the Minnesota Vikings in U2 Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. And um, he then, or not he, uh, James then mentions uh, the real life program Weight Watchers. Uh, when they're weighing down Lugia, Jesse says, we're too heavy. And James says, well, maybe we should try Weight Watchers. Jesse says, it's too late. And Meowth replies with, uh, it's never too late if you really stick to the program, which is uh, a, a, a typical, um, I mean, really just for any program uh, uh, statement. Um, but uh, Weight Watchers does use that uh, from time to time. Uh, so I just think... Uh, Two two real world references in two consecutive movies. If there's a third in the third movie, I don't know offhand, but if there is, uh, we'll see it next month. We'll see how how consecutive they keep these uh, these references. I want to see how obscure they can get. Like how I weird can they really go? Because Weight Watchers is a very weird call for for like a children's film. It, it, right. Um, I think it was just a just just a large enough name that the the kids would, would like understand like oh because they're they're too heavy they're fat they should lose weight or whatever if they'd have said like well maybe we should try Atkins like that would not have been yeah it's been like, like okay I mean that would have been like when the Disney movies make jokes for the adults inside their kids movies but uh, I guess I mean these not. were obviously only in the American dub and right right right, right. Yeah. they. Personally, they leave me rather perplexed because they, they they take me out of the movie completely, both of them. It is completely a throw joke in there for, like, parents and audience thing, you know what I mean? But even but that mean, doesn't make sense for, like, I don't think adults find that terribly funny. No, and I, I think, like I said, the only effect they really have on me is taking me out of the movie and yeah. making me think that the people who did, like, who worked on on bringing this movie to Western audiences somehow didn't have enough respect for the source material because they're going to sacrifice the suspension of disbelief the narrative, yeah. for a cheap, bad joke. Yep, I, I mean, yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's pretty cheap for the most part. Ditto. Yeah, but decent movie. And uh, I, I want to thank you guys for being on with me today and talking about Pokemon, the movie, it was, 2000. It was a pleasure, of course. Um, you can email us at pucklepodcast at gmail.com. Just leave in your description, like, your, your you know, the description of the email, say, for Puckle Movie Club. Uh, if you if you want to give us your opinion, next month we will be reviewing Pokemon, the third movie. So you can give us your, your opinions on that or any of the other movies. Uh, or you can just stop in and let us know that you want to say hi. I've been Ethan. Oh, uh, I still am Bosefis. And I hope I will be the fluffiest whimsicott forever. And uh, from, from Puckle Movie Club, it's closing time, I guess. Pucklepodcast.com.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.